What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and I've got special guest, the one and only Sean Wells, the mastermind formulator on the line today. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So for anybody that doesn't know Sean Wells, can you give us a little bio? Yeah, I'm known as the uh, the world's greatest formulator. I've been formulating for about 20 years. I've worked with uh, BioTrust and Dimatize and Smoothie King, Advocare, GNC, Vitamin Shop, just a, a ton of companies in the industry. I have um, several patented ingredients. I've worked with uh, several groups on a variety of those things like tea cream you might know of a uh, new one is dynamine but tea creams in about 300 products uh, energy drinks fat burners nootropics uh, pre-workouts um, have some exogenous ketone patents that are pretty exciting uh, a number of ingredients that are in the works um, but yeah I, I work with uh, uh, many companies and then i also i'm a registered dietitian a certified sports nutritionist fellow through the ISFN, and I, I have my master's in nutritional biochemistry from Chapel Hill, and um, I travel the world speaking on uh, supplements, biohacking, keto, fasting, all that good stuff. So I speak in Brazil, Europe, all over the U.S., China. Um, yeah, so it's, I, I think I'm uh, up to the task today I, and I've been uh, actually keto for about 20 years uh, way ahead of the, uh, the popularity curve so I've uh, been doing this a long time what what got you into to keto 20 years ago what was like the tipping point yeah you know at the time it was um, it was more body composition stuff when I wanted to get lean really quick it worked really well and I was uh, I read a few different books on the topic one was Dan Duchesne, um, who was working with Muscle Media, EAS, Bill Phillips, and he was kind of a, a maverick of sorts with supplements and drugs. And he had something that was called Body Opus, and that was his uh, his diet to get shredded for a competition. And back then, everyone was doing extremely low fat, and they were doing you know white rice and tilapia and broccoli and all that kind of stuff. And he was suggesting to use this ketogenic diet. And it was pretty, uh, pretty crazy back then, but I started messing around with it and it worked really well. You know, I could like cut five pounds a week, like easily, uh, when I was in ketosis and I seemed to just get into ketosis very easily. Uh, it wasn't hard for me. And then there was another book by, uh, Lyle McDonald, uh, that was ketosis for the uh the nutrition practitioner some something like that uh or the ketogenic diets for the practitioner but it was it was a clinical spin on ketogenic diets and for those trying to lose weight that also had metabolic syndrome like type 2 diabetes and then of course epilepsy and uh he gave his thoughts and um he's worked through the years uh with some groups but um, yeah, th those guys were, were pretty instrumental, but over the last, um, you know, five years, it's kind of exploded. And, and I know, um, you know, Dr. Dom D'Agostino, I had actually 
brought this up to Dr. Jacob Wilson and Dr. Ryan Lowry and um, at a dinner one night when we were at a Brazilian steakhouse and they were like, what's this ketogenic diet? You know, they're like, really? And uh, and then they started digging into it and they got fascinated because Jacob's time was eating, you know, very low fat, high protein. And I was telling him it's kind of a, a punishing way to eat because you're kind of in gluconeogenesis all the time. And uh, just even minor blood sugar changes feel like massive blood sugar changes. And you feel like you're going hypoglycemic and you feel like hangry and I was explaining all this to him and I was telling him like, look, you need to try the ketogenic diet and switch things around. And, uh, they started digging in and then, you know, becoming friends with, uh, Dr. Don Diagostino who's down there in Tampa. And then also, you know, becoming friends with Dr. Jeff Volick and Thomas Seafried and, and all of these guys. And, and, uh, now they have the ketogenic Bible. Ryan is, uh, doing this fat chat, uh, podcast and is, maybe known as the, the keto PhD and he's traveling all over and speaking on keto. We seem to speak at all the same events and Ryan is um, one of my absolute best friends as is Jake. So uh, those guys are, are a, a big part of my life. Um, and that's, that's how really it, it all happened. It's got to be kind of crazy, man. Like for you being keto 20 years, you know, you've kind of seen the full spectrum and the pendulum swings. So it's like you're probably just, you know, sitting back in the corner and watching everybody and tell, telling them I told you so a long time ago. Yeah, it's it's been a little crazy for me because, like, you know, I'm still getting people like, hey, have you heard of this, you know, keto diet? I'm like, you know, one, I'm uh, like a dietitian and, and sport nutritionist, and I've been doing this a long time. And I'm also a nutritional biochemist and I'm like, yeah, I know it. But, you know, the fact that I've been doing it myself so long and researched it so much. Yeah, sometimes it's it's a little crazy for me, but it doesn't bother me because it's really effective and it works. The, the things that, that bother me are the, you know, I just spoke on this at, at KetoCon uh, where we were both at. There's a lot of the myths, um, you know, uh, Jillian Michaels, like, being on uh, Steve Harvey and it made its way around Facebook about her saying the diet's dangerous. And then there was a popular science article, ironically science, mm -hmm. but you know, it's saying um, that ketoacidosis is likely and it's going to leach calcium from your bones and all this stuff and just, you know, fear. But I'll also say, you know, while I've known about it uh, a long time and, and love that, uh, effectiveness for certainly, I think, type 2 diabetes and uh, weight loss and just cognitive function. There's just so much more data that continues to come out that, you know, I didn't realize like how potently anti-inflammatory it was, how it's anti-aging, how it's, you know, effective for Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, cancer, you know, that's, um, there's new data with, um, migraine headaches and uh, PCOS and depression and traumatic brain injury. And so like, I didn't know about these things. So for me, it's exciting that all this stuff's coming out and I have a pituitary adenoma, which is, I guess you'd call it a benign uh, brain tumor because it's not cancerous, but you know, benign is probably more positive than it really is because 
the pituitary adenoma, pituitary gland is, is massive in your brain, like in terms of uh, what it does for sleep, hormones, neurotransmitters. So when I found out that I was having these horrible headaches and I was losing muscle mass and kind of gaining fat mass and, um, and my libido was trash, my energy was trash, I was feeling depressed and I go and get tested and, you know, find out my prolactin is through the roof. It's a prolactinoma, so it's secreting prolactin. My estrogen, my beta estradiol was through the roof and my testosterone was double digits, like it was 70 something. And, and it's like, okay, well, this is why I'm feeling like crap. And I started getting on uh, some, some medications and after we did some MRIs and I've been able to, um, you know, to reduce those, those side effects and bounce back, uh, luckily. But a thing I worry about now is that, um, I have a risk for, for cancer. Um, I have a greater degree of or potential of getting cancer, uh, with that pituitary adenoma. So what's um, the time frame on this? Like, when did you find that out? Seven years ago, seven years so, ago. You know, I've been managing it since then, but you know, it's like you, you just never know. So, um, one of the things that that really makes me want to stay keto. I mean, I've enjoyed using keto through my life, um, but now that's just another big reason that okay, like there's some serious cancer risk here that I want to minimize. So I'm assuming, like, with you doing it for 20 years, you probably kind of the first 10 years was leveraged more you know, from like a compositional standpoint, like leaning down, whereas now that you found out that news and all the research keeps coming out about, you know, the benefits from like a cancerous prevention standpoint, that's kind of like a whole nother level of motivation. Absolutely. And, you know, as a registered dietitian, I worked in hospitals and especially nursing homes and I saw Alzheimer's dementia every day, all day and what it does to people. And you know, literally you just see like a shell or a ghost of like your mother, your father, you know, and you're looking in their eyes and, and they're not looking at you the same way back. You know, it's like, this is mom, this is dad, but they're looking at you like, who are you? And they're scared. And I would see them in fear. I would see them scream. I would see them be confused. And it's torture. It is torture to see how many people this happened to I mean, probably half the nursing home was in this demented state in various stages. And, you know, again, to realize that this probably waits for a lot of us at some point, if we make it to that point and keto could help prevent that. That's, that's big. Yeah, absolutely. And in knowing that, you know, these, these ketones can essentially uh, bypass the, it's a, it's the secondary complex of the electron transport chain. Ba basically you can be in a, a state of insufficient cellular energy with glucose. You can be uh, glucose intolerant in the brain. And that's where you get into these um, neurological conditions like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, even traumatic brain injury and some types of depression, all that is because of this insufficient cellular energy state. And even like some of these autoimmune conditions with chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia and these things, 
they're insufficient cellular energy states where the, there's mitochondrial dysfunction. In ketones, there isn't, there isn't like a ketone insensitivity. I mean, typically 99.999% of the time. So for those people that are likely to get those diseases, which is most of us, um, or that have them, it can be protective or therapeutic because now, now the brain or the body, you know, the mitochondria can use these uh, as energy and it can fix, it can fix that mitochondrial dysfunction. Kind of bridges the gap between those synapses, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And they've shown like with, with traumatic brain injury that at that time of the injury that there's acute glucose intolerance. Like basically, it can't take glucose up for and and make energy, and therefore um, that part of your brain's essentially shut down. But if you were to take ketones, they're showing that all of a sudden it lights back up and it heals that area of the brain, and that area of the brain is able to function again. So, um, you know, they're looking deeply with traumatic brain injury into using things like exogenous ketones, fasting, the ketogenic diet uh, for ways to, again, prevent or therapeutically treat traumatic brain injury. With us kind of, you know, proactively, you know, eating a ketogenic diet now, um, you know, we're kind of hedging our bets against that. For somebody that's, you know, in the hospital already suffering from, you know, Alzheimer's or Parkinson's, if they transition to keto that late in the game, is it going to make, you know, pretty traumatic effects? Or is it going to be kind of, um, they're just too metabolically damaged at that point to really make much of a difference? No, I, it absolutely can make a difference. Um, is that person going to be quote unquote cured? Um, not necessarily. I mean, if they're, you know, stage four Alzheimer's, maybe not. But if you read the uh, story of Dr. Mary Newport, uh, she started using coconut oil. This is with her husband that had stage four Alzheimer's and she was the caretaker. Uh, started using coconut oil, then used MCTs, then actually got a hold of some ketone esters uh, for a little while. But she was able to really rewind the clock on him like back to like stage one and, and he lived several more years with much higher quality of life. And so it's definitely possible. Um, you know, mitochondrial dysfunction leads to um, really all kinds of issues. Almost every disease tracks back to mitochondrial dysfunction uh, with glycation being blood sugar damage to cells and then inflammation um, all these diseases are related to those things, mitochondrial dysfunction, glycation, inflammation. And if you're able to reduce that inflammation, take down glycation, improve mitochondrial dysfunction, then you're able to improve almost every disease state. I mean, that's like when people are like, um, you know, they're purporting keto as some like miracle thing. It kind of is. It, like and and I'm I'll I'll be the first one to say I'm like very scientific I'm very skeptic, but when I'm telling you like if you go back to the root of almost every chronic disease and keto is like pretty effective at dealing with those things, it's pretty compelling. And to know that basically mitochondrial dysfunction and glucose intolerance can lead to most chronic diseases, then 
you know, it is, it's compelling. It's a lot, it's a lot bigger than body composition or even diabetes. And this is how it works with epilepsy too. Yeah, no, I think you're right on the money there. I mean, I, I love the ketogenic diet from like its compositional improvement standpoint, but what I get excited about is all the research coming out in the medical communities, the, you know, scientific industry about all of this is coming on, you know, like th- this is practical stuff. I mean, this can be applied to my grandfather right now who mm-hmm. is probably not going to last much longer at his current stage. And, you know, when you when you tie that in and it hits people home from like an emotional standpoint with their with their loved ones, I mean, how can you not open your eyes? Like if my grandfather's on his deathbed and there's, you know, whatever possibility I've got to give him a little bit longer and improve his quality of life, I mean, <laughs> I'm beating down the door to get to it. Exactly. You know, I worked with um, a lady came to me uh, last year that had uh, stage four cancer, uh, brain cancer, and it's called um, glioblastoma multiform. And the doctors had given her about six weeks to live. They had taken her off of chemo and radiation and said, you know, enjoy your last six weeks and told her to eat whatever she wants and, you know, just ride off into the sunset. And she reached out to me and I put her on all the things that I know, like that, that have good data with cancers. And that includes the hyperbaric oxygen chamber, IV vitamin C. I put her on a few supplements that help with mitochondrial function, which is CoQ10 and PQQ. Put her on the ketogenic diet, exogenous ketones, and fasting. Six weeks later, when she was supposed to be dead, she had a 90% reduction in her tumor. I'm just going to pause and let that just sink in a little bit longer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, she texted me and she said, you know, bless you, Sean. Like, I really appreciate, you know, what you've done for me. Thank you so much. And I asked her, did anyone at any point tell you about the ketogenic diet? And she said, no, no one but you. And that really, I almost wanted to swear. I don't know if I can swear on your podcast, but like that really made me angry to think about that. No one talked to her about it. No one said, even, even when they took her off everything and she had six weeks to live, they, no one said, Hey, you know what? Um, there's this crazy diet. I don't know if it works. I mean, some people talk about maybe it works, but you really got nothing to lose at this point. So I thought I'd throw this at you. You can research it yourself. No one said anything, but they sure told her about the stuff that costs tons of money and is poisonous and toxic. I mean, I'm not saying like chemo or radiation are necessarily bad, but I think they're definitely overused. Yeah. And when you got something that, free at the diet that's really frustrating or you know close to free with things like iv vitamin c or um fasting or exogenous ketone i mean there's just no money to be made off any of the things that i said and you know she was probably spending one one hundredth of what she was spending like one round of chemo can be like i don't know fifty seventy five thousand dollars so I mean, you know, compute that and it should really piss everyone off that's listening to this. Now, I'm not saying that, 
you know, that's like the typical case and it's going to work for everyone. I think one of the reasons it works so well with that condition is it's kind of a double whammy. And we know that cancer spreads through, uh, well, cancer cells can feed off of glucose and healthy cells can, can use glucose and ketones. And so when you starve the body of glucose, cancer typically lacks the ability to spread. Um, so reducing glucose availability uh, is one way that you can limit cancer's um, growth. But also what I was saying about the brain in particular and with that insufficient cellular energy and mitochondrial dysfunction, that it's kind of, you know, works in, in both ways. So I think in, in terms of this glioblastoma multiform that it's it's particularly effective in really a type of cancer that's considered a death sentence. Um, so there's a lot of promise there, but it's frustrating. It's frustrating to know that this isn't at least used in conjunction with, and I'm friends with um, some people like Victoria Adelis, um, she's now Victoria Adelis Field, uh, that's worked with, uh, dogs down at the Keto Pet Sanctuary in Texas and help them overcome cancer by using uh, the hyperbaric oxygen chamber and the ketogenic diet. And they have amazing data with that. And then she was working with uh, Epigenics, a foundation that was providing ketogenic meals to people that had cancer. And again, they worked with hundreds of people providing all their meals and they collected data Unfortunately, that data is not released yet, but I mean, per her, there was tremendous results, phenomenal results of people overcoming cancer. And so I hope that, you know, this, this keeps coming out, keeps coming to light. And it's at least an adjuvant therapy, meaning like, you know, added, you know, to the mix that we're not just, because typically you see like, they'll say with cancer patients, eat whatever you want, because they're worried about them having the nausea um, you know, with being on chemo and radiation that they're not going to eat much. So just eat whatever you want. And they give them cake and candy and Coca-Cola and all this stuff. And it's horrible. It's like literally like you're throwing gas on the fire. It makes no sense. And they're just not looking at cancer as a metabolic disease like all of Dr. Thomas Seafried's re research is showing and Dr. Don Agostino's research is showing. And that's frustrating. There's a huge, huge disconnect. And it's, I feel like it's harder for, you know, like us to see in the middle of the keto community and just like, like we're just engulfed with it every day, but you step aside and you look, look to the eyes of a normal person in society and they may have heard of keto. They, they don't really have a clue what it is. They just, you know, think you eat bacon all day long. Um, but there's just like, there's such a disconnect and I mean, I don't remember what the stats were, but it's like 4% of Americans don't even know or know briefly of what keto is, but at least the other 96% that had never even heard of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's frustrating. And, you know, I know that, um, I have several, not only do I have the pituitary adenoma, but I have, uh, Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune condition with my thyroid and I have fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome related to Epstein-Barr, which is also called mono. And so I have all kinds of issues with autoimmunity and mitochondrial dysfunction. And again, 
I feel so much better with all of this stuff when I'm on keto and, you know, but if I was to go to a doctor, they would say, you know, that's, that's nonsense. You know, that's hocus pocus, like, because it's just some dumb diet. Like, isn't that kind of like Atkins? Like you're saying, like, that's what they'd say. Like, you know, they don't see like how a diet can have a profound impact and they don't see how bad the Western diet is having a profound impact on our health. And everyone's tried to point at like low fat, you know, that that's what we need to be heart healthy. And in this period of time, we've been low fat. We've all gotten sicker and sicker and sicker. Mm-hmm. And what's changed? What's changed? It's, it's not like low fat wasn't the answer or high fat wasn't what was killing us. What's changed in the last 30 years? It's that we're, we're more sedentary. We're eating more ultra processed foods, not even processed anymore. There's a new term ultra processed as we're eating stuff. That's all high glycemic. It's all manufactured. I mean, these fats now, like it was never saturated fat, never saturated fat. Those bad for you. You know, what is bad? The highly processed vegetable oils like canola, you know, it is that trans fat. They're, they're all synthesized. They're made. And it's, that's what's changed. That's what's changed is artificial sweeteners, artificial colors, artificial flavors, RBGH, RBST, GMO, well, you know, all this stuff, right? Ultra processed food. So that's what's changed. And people are eating the, the only data that shows high fat to be dangerous is when it's in conjunction with high glycemic carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. Because high glycemic carbohydrate uh, raises insulin and promotes fat storage and inhibits lipolysis, the breakdown of fat. And if you look at like any study, I mean, even animal studies where they, they always talk about high fat diet, high fat diet, high fat diet, they're getting like 45% fat, which is high fat. But the balance of it is high fructose corn syrup or things like that. And the fat, by the way, is typically that processed vegetable oil that I was just talking about. So, yep, it's pro-inflammatory and it's high glycemic. And yeah, no wonder. I mean, it's, it's like the equivalent of eating cake and cookies all day long or McDonald's all day long. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I not, think... that's not high fat. <laughs> yeah, it's like a double-edged sword on both sides for sure. Yeah. Um, what, one of my slides at the KetoCon presentation was, was simply that if you wanted to reach like a true level of health and just wellness and optimize, then just simply eat ketogenic macros with whole foods. Like take out the processed foods, eat ketogenic foods, um, and that right there is going to solve, you know, the vast majority, the classic, you know, 80-20 principle. Um, I mean, simply just looking at the ingredient labels. Like most people sadly don't even know how to read a nutrition label, much less look at the ingredients in that nutrition label. 100%. I totally agree with you. Matter of fact, I, I would tell most people to start by trying to wean themselves off of sugar because it's addictive. I don't care what anyone says. I mean, when you walk into uh, a convenience store, the war is on, right? When you see all of the, the colors and the labels of, you know, all these bottles are blue and silver and, cr- you know, whatever. It's like red and orange and bright colors and the entire cooler's filled with sugar 
with different sodas and energy drinks and Gatorades. And then you got all these candies. By the, I mean, you are being assaulted and you think it's easy to walk in and walk out. Mm-mm. So tell me it's not an addiction. It absolutely is 100% addictive. I mean, have you ever seen somebody is like, you know, eating sugar or something and, you know, they're kind of like hiding it because they don't want someone to see what they're eating. I mean, and people know to not eat these things. People know to not eat McDonald's. They know to not eat sugar. They know. So why do they do it? Yeah. Because it's addictive, right? I mean, there's something that's actually called the bliss point in food engineering and they've mastered it. Like when something has that, that fatty mouthfeel and it has a crispness and it has a saltiness and a sweetness, like think of French fries or things like that. I mean, that's, that's literally manipulating your brain for releasing dopamine and just feeling like this is like everything I wanted and it's addictive. So I tell people to start there, try, you know, start weaning yourself off of, you know, sugar and sweet and go whole food. And I think for most people, that's the best place to start is I think everyone can agree whether you like, you know, maybe keto is too hard for some. I don't think it's hard, but maybe it's too hard for some. But I think the best and easiest place to start is eat whole food. And that's no one should argue that because that's what we've done for like, you know, tens of thousands of years. And it's not until recently that this has all changed. And then recently we've seen our health dramatically change. Mm -hmm. And no, I don't think people necessarily needed to eat keto year round 50 years ago. But now that things are where they're at, where we're surrounded by ultra processed foods and we're not exercising enough and these diseases are out of control, keto is a really good solution. But the flip side of that is I do think when people think keto is some weird diet, we were in ketosis a lot of the time evolutionarily. We were in ketosis probably through the winter, like if we you know, lived in, in those kind of conditions when we were going days without eating. We, we didn't call it fasting then. We called it starving. And when we were looking for animals to eat because there were no plants and there wasn't storage, that was keto. And even during the non-winter months when there was plants, a lot of those plants are ultra low glycemic and may have been resistant starches. If we were to have eaten like a raw potato or some kind of root, it's a resistant starch. It's keto. That that thing that you think starch and carbs, it's actually keto. Is there any any evidence whatsoever that indicates that staying in the state of ketosis indefinitely is, is bad whatsoever? I don't, you know, I don't think so. It's, it's kind of like saying, um, you know, that obviously with, with glucose, it's not necessarily bad. You know, there's people for thousands of years that, that may have just ate primarily carbs and been fueled by glucose, but they were highly active and they were eating much lower glycemic carbs. I think it's, um, you know, I think it's the, the state of hyperinsulinemia and the high glycemic carbs and the sedentary nature that, that's causing a lot of issues with that, that again, glycation, mitochondrial dysfunction and and inflammation chronically and, and all these chronic diseases. But I don't, I don't think so. I mean, just 
there's obviously there's there's people that have been uh, epileptics. There's people that have like the Inuit tribe, uh, Eskimos, like that you look at. There's populations. There's certain Native American populations um, that have been keto pretty consistently, and there's you know no record of that being a negative. Like, I mean, with with glucose, there is like I was saying, like glucose intolerance that can happen over time. Um, especially in the conditions like I was talking about where like we're eating this ultra processed high glycemic food and we're not exercising enough. Um, but that doesn't happen with ketones. That's one of the cool things about why this diet can work with sedentary people. Um, and they can still have dramatic effects is, you know, ketones work. Yeah. One of the arguments that I always hear, you know, people say that, you know, keto is not sustainable and it's only for like, you know, it's an extreme diet for, you know, epileptics or, you know, cancer patients right there at the end. And it's just, it, it irks me when I hear that because, I mean, I've been strict keto for four years and I've felt better each year. I think you reach like a deeper level of adaptation the longer you stay in a state of ketosis. And I have no intentions of getting out of ketosis. And I want to be able to kind of be the billboard for that when I'm 75 years old and say, look, I've been doing this my whole life. You know, I'm, I'm thriving right now. I think um, it's, it's exciting now with so many people kind of hearing about keto and jumping into it that we're going to have a lot more, you know, test subjects 50, 60, 70 years from now that people can point to and say, well, look at that, you know. Absolutely. And yeah, you're, you're spot on. I mean, there's some people that talk about um, metabolic flexibility, being able to use both fuels. And, and I think if you look at evolution, most likely most populations, you know, keto wasn't some weird thing. Like I was pointing out, we probably were in keto a fair amount of the time because we were starving slash fasting because we were eating animals or because we were eating resistant starches because we were exercising so much, you know, you might've burned 6,000 calories in a day with hard labor. So, we were in keto a lot of the time. Were we eating a ketogenic diet necessarily? No, not necessarily. But we were in ketosis. So it's not a weird thing. And But there is there is some maybe value to having some metabolic flexibility in that if you're strict ketogenic, then when you, you, know, when you go out and you try and use glucose, um, you might have more issues than someone who's you know, glucose adapted. I mean, just like someone, you know, these studies that show maybe keto isn't that effective, like one of the, the biggest reasons was they didn't allow for keto adaptation to take place. That's why some newer studies are allowing at least two weeks of, you know, keto adaptation because so many people are just glucose adapted. It's rare to, you know, now maybe we can start getting people that have been in ketosis several years and put them in studies, but it's been hard to find a population that's been consistent with ketogenic dieting and that you can say they're truly keto adapted. Right, right. And I agree. I think there's probably, you know, kind of like people going into keto for the first time, they experience the, you know, keto flu, so to speak. Probably mm -hmm. the inverse is true for people that have been keto for so long going into, you know, a glucose dependent state. But I mean, I, I would argue that I don't want to be in the glucose dependent state anyway. So no one's holding a gun to my head and I have, I don't really have to have that metabolic flexibility um, in order to thrive. So I no, I, I agree. Reason. Yeah. If, if you're someone like you that, that can be truly strict like that, then that's, that's awesome. But like for some people that like, 
they don't want to live without some of the things that they've enjoyed through the years, some of their comfort foods, and they feel it's too hard to maintain. So they can't do all or nothing. I think some of the the cyclical and um, targeted ketogenic diet strategies can can truly work for them. Yeah. Is it going to be as effective like for getting maximal amount of fat loss as quick as possible like like you have? No. But if this is truly a lifestyle that they want to try and maintain forever, then it is something that they can employ. You know, I would recommend that someone at least do 90 days truly strict when they're first getting into the diet so they can assess what that feels like, what true ketosis feels like. Because a lot of people that are trying ketogenic dieting say it doesn't work. They feel like crap. And it's because they're not getting their fat high enough. And it happens so much that they're like eating too much protein and they're not getting their fat high enough. Or they're using net carbs and they're eating all kinds of treats and having all kinds of sugar alcohols and some of these fake manufactured fibers like IMO, isomaltolgosaccharide uh, that was in all those bars and things like that. And it's essentially that's like 70% sugar and it's not a fiber. And, you know, some of these sugar alcohols um, get processed a lot closer to sugar. So when you start doing this net carb calculation, sometimes it's not, you know, not correct. I agree a hundred percent with you on all fronts there. I think people need to stay strict keto long, long enough, you know, to reset level adaptation for them to even consider introducing carbs like targeted or cyclical. And then, you know, counting total carbs. I mean, people that count net carbs are just, that's like, that's like a way to justify lying to themselves about what they're eating. And then that's just going to kick them out that much, uh, you know, quicker and not going to optimize anything. Um, for you, you know, kind of treat, you know, therapeutically, what do you typically stay at like, as far as fat ratios go? Yeah, I like to keep like at the 70, 75%. Um, and then, you know, it depends. And, and here's another one, like with the protein that, you know, let's say it's at 20, 25%. You know, some people like freak out about that. I mean, you're a bodybuilder, you know, like people say, oh man, that protein's way too low. But what do we know about keto is it's completely different. It's completely different than a glucogenic diet. Because when you're in that starvation state, which your body thinks like when you're, you know, ketogenic potentially, you want to spare lean body mass at all costs, right? I mean, that's a survival mechanism that, that is essential to you thriving. And what are you going to use that you have usually plentifully stored and it's calorically dense per gram. It's more than twice as calorically dense. So it's, you know, energy, um, it's, it's highly, uh, energy packed with these fat cells. So, your body's going to, you know, tap into that as a fuel source. And, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm surprised we haven't talked before this, man, because this, I mean, you're speaking the same language for sure. So, so many people argue the whole use fat as a lever uh, theory when it comes to, you know, body composition and getting leaner with keto. Um, and they'll keep protein relatively high and they'll, you know, drop fat. But I always argue the opposite of that in that, you know, with ketone production ramped up because you have a high fat ratio and you manipulate protein down, 
your ketones going to get elevated and that's going to be more muscle sparing than if you had more protein. So, I mean, like when I got down to 65 grams of protein as a bodybuilder, I mean, that was unheard of, but I was PRing on lifts and didn't lose any muscle that entire time. I mean, that's because my fat ratio stayed high and I manipulated protein as opposed to manipulating fat. Yeah, there's, so you actually not only spare lean body mass, but it's because you're sparing leucine and leucine is the trigger for muscle protein synthesis, which means anabolism, which means creating muscle mass. And we already know that BHB, beta-hydroxybutyrate, the, the key ketone, is anti-catabolic. It spares that muscle. But it's also, we're seeing that BHB may be anabolic. And so when you're sparing leucine, you're allowing for greater leucine sensitivity in the plasma. It's, it's not about absolute level of leucine you might have been told that it takes two three three and a half grams of leucine to turn on muscle protein synthesis and optimize it but it may actually be how quickly this peak happens in the plasma in the blood and so if if you're more sensitive to leucine kind of like think about how you could be glucose uh sensitive it takes a much lower amount to do the same thing well, same here. It takes a much lower amount of leucine to optimize muscle protein synthesis in someone who's a ketogenic dieter. So that, let's say, 25 grams of whey protein has, I think it's about 2.7 grams of leucine. Well, the ketogenic dieter may need, and that's what you know, the glucogenic dieter needs to optimize muscle protein synthesis. The ketogenic dieter may need half fat to optimize muscle protein synthesis. Do it's you, a completely different equation. Do you think it's necessary to, like, do you recommend supplementing with branch chains or leucine specifically, or do you think, um, like, is that like a, a worthwhile supplement for a ketogenic dieter? You know, um, Dom has, has done, Dr. Dom Diagostino has done some personal research with that, and he saw some better effects when he was in a hypocaloric and fasted state. Um, you know, especially like when he was kind of doing like MCTs and black coffee, you know, just adding BCAAs to that mix helped in terms of um, sparing lean body mass. Um, but it's tough. It's, it's tough to say. I, I'm not sure. Um, I think if you're eating enough calories, um, I don't know that it's, it's going to see much added benefit. One thing I do like and I use personally is is HMB um, along with just leucine in my diet. So um, I've found that to be to be more effective for me. But it's that's tough to say. I know there was a study. This was really interesting um, that looked at uh, ice. But there was three arms to the study, three groups, and. It was isocaloric, which means the same level of calories in each group, and isoprotein, which means the same level of protein. But they varied the level of carbs. And as the carbs got lower and lower and lower, uh, they spared more lean body mass in terms of weight loss. And I think it was like it was around like 100 grams of carbs a day in one group. It was around 50 or 60 grams 
a day in the second group and it was 20 grams a day in the third group. And in the 100 gram uh, carb group, they lost 25 or 30 percent of the weight lost was muscle. Then in the 50 gram, it was, um, I think, about 10 or 15 percent. And then in the last group where it was around 20 grams of carbs a day, they only lost 5%. And maybe that 5% was even like glycogen, water, you know, some, some stuff like that. So really like the deeper you get into ketosis, surprise, it's more lean body mass bearing. You're powerfully anti-catabolic. 100%, man. And and to me, like as a natural bodybuilder, this is like the freaking duh you know it's like (laughs) but uh you know that's i'm excited for the industry as a whole like in the fitness community because nobody knows about this stuff like natural bodybuilders bodybuilders like they're so far behind they're gonna be the last people to adopt keto and it's sad because they're the people that could benefit from it the most Uh, not the most but they could definitely benefit from it and they're still following the traditional dogma of you know high protein you know using carbs as an energy source and keeping fat really low I mean, I've, I've, I've been on stage with people that literally cut out fish oil at the end because they were trying to just remove any fat that they could. Oh, and my gosh. Yeah, you do that, and you're, you're screwing your hormones and your metabolism all kinds of up. And they don't, they don't recover from that for six months or longer. And, yeah. You know, when I've you, known some guys that's two years like that were uh, young guys, like 22-year-old bodybuilders. Yeah, it's just like, like <laughs> it just blows my mind. And like with all the research coming out right now about keto – not even just from like a medical perspective, but, you know, performance aspect and the muscle sparing aspect alone. I mean, this literally has redefined how I go into a contest prep and it should redefine. You don't have to be a bodybuilder to leverage these principles. I mean, you could be anybody that's wanting to keep muscle and lose fat. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. You nailed it. And um, I think it's funny, like, like I said, it was over 20 years ago that um, this discussion started with, with bodybuilding and the diet's been around a hundred years for epilepsy. And like I said, I mean, really, I, it's not a new thing. Like sometimes I hear at these, you know, conferences that like ketogenic, you know, diet started a hundred years ago. And, you know, there's these ancient populations that that's all they ate was a nutritional ketogenic diet. And then again, my argument is that all populations up until recently, up until the last 50 years, probably, were in ketosis a fair amount of the time. A Viking was in ketosis a lot of the time. They're eating fish. They're like, you know, living a tough lifestyle. Like, you know, it's extreme cold. You know, all these things are like calorically intensive. Like they're, you know, in battle, they're building, they're, you know, traveling, they're, you know, the food isn't necessarily plentiful many times a year. They would certainly be fasting slash starving. They were in ketosis a lot of the time. They were very ketogenically adapted. So it's it's just, it's frustrating to me to like hear, oh, it's this new fad thing. Like, no, the new fad thing, the new fad thing is being glucogenic 24-7-365. The new fad thing is eating ultra processed food and crap that's high margin garbage that they're feeding up to you that's putting you in the hospital system and everyone you love. And while you 
pay out the medical providers and you buy their drugs and you stay connected to machines. That's, that's the new fad thing. Yeah, completely. It, it's kind of funny, man. Like I look at keto and I mean, like I said, I, I'm in, I've been in this four years, you've been at 20 years, so you've got much more, you know, spectrum here. But like for me, I mean, I've staked my whole livelihood on it. Like I built my business, my brand, and this is what I do. This is what I live, breathe, and 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 eat. You know, and it, it's easy for me to like think for a second. Okay, this is a diet. You know, maybe it's gonna just you know kind of come and go, and there's not gonna be that anymore, and it's gonna lose the momentum it's got now. But then I look back and 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 look at a big picture on a macro level, and it's like this isn't even a diet. Like this this is literally a lifestyle, and. It's it may you know not be as you know strong in the Google trends ten years from now as it is today, but it's not going anywhere. Like people are hearing about this, it's been around since the dawn of you know the Homo sapiens. I mean, it's not right. going anywhere. And people, the more people that know about it, and as soon as you feel how you know optimal you function once you get fully adapted, like you you can't buy that with a supplement you, there's not like a fad diet approach that you eat quality foods which should be a no brainer anyways like that's not going to die totally totally and i love when people say like um you know like oh you're you're going to be foggy and you're going to not perform as well athletically and you know all these things because you need carbs there is no carbohydrate deficiency and every study i've seen there's been Two CrossFit studies, they performed just as well as the carbohydrate people. They didn't lose muscle mass. They kept the same amount of muscle mass, strength, performance, everything. The only thing is they lost a little bit more fat mass. Same in a, in a bodybuilding study. They gained just as much muscle mass as the Western diet group. They just had less fat mass than the Western diet group. Same with like peak power. Same with um, ultra-endurance. Uh, look at Zach Bitter, like he's breaking world records because he's keto. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a hundred thousand calories stored on you uh, in in fat. You know, at least fifty thousand, uh, even if you're extremely lean. You only have one thousand to two thousand calories in glucose slash glycogen. I mean, which fuel would you rather be adapted for? I mean, it, it's a silly argument, and then. Uh, oh, you're, you're slow. Like, I love like this, this stuff. Like, where does this come from? Like, you know, I look at like the animal kingdom and, uh, the cheetah seems to do pretty well, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you don't like, and these carb eaters, you know, like, I'm not saying like carbs are even bad. I'm, I'm not at all demonizing carbs. And, and look, there's some people, like I would say probably 20 to 30% of the population are extremely insulin sensitive no matter what they're active, um, you know, they can do, if it fits your macros, they can do high carb diets and they can stay lean and all this kind of stuff. But I would say probably 70% of the population is now predisposed to, you know, the effects of eating this food we're eating and, you know, it gets exacerbated with a sedentary lifestyle and eating too much and all of that. And, for the rest of us, like we're always fighting metabolic syndrome. We're always fighting obesity and it's not easy. And when someone says, you know, that's always lean, it's just a naturally lean body, no matter what they eat. And they say like, you know, keto, that's stupid. 
that's great, dude. Like, I get it. Like, that's cool for you. Like, wonderful. Like, stay eating what you're eating. You're healthy. You know, I would just recommend those people, like, lean more towards whole food. And that's great. But for the rest of us that are fighting all these disease states that are fighting obesity, metabolic syndrome, Alzheimer's, cancer, all the things that fall in line. I mean, then we should definitely clearly be looking at keto. Yeah, and it's it's so much more than just being being lean too for those twenty or thirty percent that are really insulin sensitive. Like like flexible dieting, if it fits your macros, I mean they'll they'll be braggadocious about that and they'll be eating <laughs> ice cream and cereal and it's like, yeah, you're able to stay lean, but are you really illustrating a good picture of health? And I mean, there's so much that's happening internally there. And they probably, like if they continue that trend for the next 50 years, they're not going to be looking healthy. So, I mean, I think it's, you know, no matter what your insulin sensitivity is, like you got to be, I think the whole foods argument is 100% the way to go. I mean, you know, if you're putting quality food in your body, like your body's thanking you internally. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. 100%. I mean, that's, that's what we were adapted for. That's what, you know, thousands and thousands of years, you know, again, like people are trying to say, oh, you know, keto's the new fad. It's not the new fad. The new fad is is all this garbage that we're eating. The new fad is everything in the center of the grocery store that's, you know, in bags and boxes and, you know, in cans and whatnot. I mean, that's, I totally agree. I mean, we need to definitely get back to whole food. And same with fasting. Like I said, I mean, that's totally normal too. Like people think that's, some freaky new thing, like along with the ketogenic diet and fasting, not eating all day long is normal. <laughs> like why, why would we have been eating all that? Like we would have been working. We would have been looking for food. Like, I mean, it wasn't until, you know, recent in terms of like big picture history that we were able to store food and, you know, have plentiful fields of food and have like so much food access. And there's, there's no comparison to where we're at in history in terms of food access now Yeah, where you barely need to move. You can have stuff delivered to you, stuff in vending machines. I mean, we don't have to work for food anymore. I mean, just, it's like these animals in these studies. Like, I mean, if they're just sitting there and, you know, we're just throwing food in the cage and they don't even have to move. I mean, yeah, they get fat, but like when you had to search for it, find it, kill it, think about it, plan your day around it, it was a very different equation. Fasting, I mean, there's so many physical and metabolic benefits to fasting, but I would argue there's an incredible psychological benefit to it as well, and that it removes just this instant gratification that we all suffer from today. And when when people, I mean, they eat to reward themselves for anything. They eat out of boredom. Like, that's just screwing them up psychologically. I mean, I get so sick of people just eating the simple act of eating as an addiction, like that's not healthy either. Yeah. One, yeah. Totally. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And think about this. Think about how many, how much money and time and energy you put into eating. Like you're saying in terms of thinking about it, watching commercials about it, prepping it, buying it, uh, putting it in the fridge, taking it out of the fridge, cutting it, cooking it, eating it, cleaning it, you know, storing it back in the, (laughs) all this stuff, right? I mean, and how much money does that add up to? I mean, if you were to eat less frequently, you can empower yourself. Like you're saying, like, you know, that's one of the things I I like about keto too, is like when I'm out with 
friends and they're all having like chips or bread or, you know, whatever at the table. And I'm like, no, I'm good. You know, like that's empowering. Just me saying, no, I'm good. Like when I'm around other people doing something that doesn't just affect my health at the table with food that affects my health mentally across the board with all my decisions. I'm saying I don't need to do what everyone else is doing. I'm going to go my own path and do what's best for me. 100%. And then you take the flip side of that and you look at the opportunity cost, kind of like what you were saying about all the time put into, you know, preparing your food. Like if, like for, for me, like as a, as a business person, like I, I get so much more done in a day mm-hmm. because I eat once or twice tops and I don't think about what I eat. Like I, I just, like I track my macros. I have my food pre-planned. It's all prepped. Like there's, like I could have a, a meal and be done within five minutes time. Like there's just so much more time in the day where I can focus on perfecting my craft and making an influence and creating content. No matter what your, your craft is, like if you're more pr- productive as an individual, I mean, you can't put a price on that. You just crushed that one, man. I, I'm right there with you. That's a great answer. And actually you, you talked to Dr. Dom D'Agostino and he was a bodybuilder and powerlifter and uh, he was eating, you know, the, the six to eight small meals a day that we were told to eat and you needed to do or else you'd go catabolic. And he talked about all the food prep and, you know, just being a slave to the food, you know, having like his, um, you know, lunch boxes and little, you know, prep containers and stuff and just all day long eating and eating and eating and eating. And he said, like, when he went to keto and, and the fasting and when he'd sometimes go days without eating or just eat once a day, he said it was like just being set free. It was just complete freedom. And, and yeah, his productivity went through the roof. Oh, yeah. It's liberating, man. I mean, the same thing happened to me. Like, <laughs> I, I would stay keto for no other reason alone than just that. I mean, I'm more productive in a day. I mean, like I said, you can't put a price on that. Not to mention you get all the other benefits of you just feel better. I mean, I'm excited to see what I look like when I'm 80 years old. I'm going to be dead sexy at 80 years old. Like, I feel confident in that. <laughs> you know, it's going to be because of keto. And I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about the illnesses and stuff. Like, I'm I'm excited about where it's going. And for for you to, you know, say the same things, resonate that, being keto for 20 years, it's like I'm on the right track. People listening to this are on the right track. You're on the right track. Like, we're all in the right direction. Hey, you know, I'm 44, and, like, people say – you know, constantly that, uh, I look, you know, super young. I have white hair, but like I've had that since I was 19. Uh, but like people say I look super young and, and I'm in great physical shape. I work out five, five to six days a week. I play basketball, I play volleyball, you know, I feel great. I'm a high performer, high achiever. I work probably 70 plus hours a week and I, I crank and I really, you know, think that keto is a huge part of that and um keto's helped uh me deal with some of these these things that were stacked against me you know i do i do put on fat easier than than most people and i do have these autoimmune conditions and i do have this brain tumor and and i do have fatigue that i normally deal with but keto's helped me you know push that back and a lot of these autoimmune conditions have a ton of inflammation associated with them and and fatigue and instead of feeling like I'm constantly inflamed and fatigued you know I feel I feel good and when you feel good you're able to 
perform better and you're able to interact with people better and you're able to, um, like you said, perfect your craft and then you find your purpose and you feel better. And then you have and this community have, aspect of it. I mean, it just keeps right. growing. It's exponential. Right, right. And you're, you're able to, when you're not heads down and you're heads up, you're able to see other people. You're able to mentor and interact with other people. You're able to lift people up. But when your head's down, when you're tired and you're, you're beat down, and you don't feel good about yourself, it's like you're kind of more in survival mode, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, a, it's a game changer. And it's the same with like when you feel better and you have less inflammation and with movement, you're more likely to move, which means you're less likely to have inflammation and you're less likely to have disease because you're moving and you feel good. So it just kind of begets itself and it helps you build a better life. That's why, you know, for all the haters you keep hearing about keto, there's like so many powerful stories about like, oh my God, I lost 70 pounds, a hundred pounds. I feel better than I have in forever. I, I, you know, I'm able to think better than I have in a long time. My vision's improved. Like I feel like I can, you know, move around and, and spend time with the kids now. I, you know, you're hearing it from people that are 15 to 95. Like I, I hear these stories all day long and there's no one can tell me that like, this isn't, this isn't more than a fad. This is something that's here to stay and it's going to shift the paradigm on how we view nutrition and how we view health. And despite what all these, uh, you know, medical bodies and, academic bodies that are, you know, stand to lose. And, and certainly some of these corporations stand to lose. There's at some point, there's going to be so much information and so much change that you just can't deny it anymore. It's going to happen. Um, I don't know when that point is in the next five to 10 years, but it's, it's going to happen where it'll be undeniable. And we'll be at a point where, you know, you are in a nursing home or you are on the airplane or you are in wherever. And you're like, I want the ketogenic diet. Or maybe you don't even have to say it anymore. And they're just like, oh, we don't serve that highly processed sugary crap anymore. Do you think that'll come from the, from the ground up or do you think it'll come from the top down? That's an interesting question. I mean, there's certainly people that are, you know, cashing in on, on keto right now, but I think it's it's coming from the ground up. I think it's a groundswell of just so many stories, so many individual people that are just talking about how their lives are changing. And thankfully, because of the Internet and thankfully because of the Keto Savage podcast and KetoCon and, you know, things like that, the word's getting out. Like, you know, 100 years ago, it might have been much harder to, you know, get all these stories. Right. I mean, but now there's like communities that are being built and people are sharing and saying like, oh, my gosh, like this, this thing's real. Like, like, I'm not the only one that's, that's feeling like this. There's tons of people that are feeling this. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's what I get excited about, man. Like I, there's we are literally on the forefront of something that's been around forever. But with technology, social media, our ability to share that those stories, that wisdom I mean, it's, it's just going to get exciting. Yeah. And, and you're, you're a big part of that. Uh, Keto Savage is, is leading the way and you should feel good about what you're doing. I mean, you know, a lot of people do stuff to, you know, make money or, 
you know, find some kind of purpose, but like what you're doing is not only a way of, you know, supporting yourself and, and fulfilling purpose, but you're, you're changing lives for the better. Like, absolutely. Like there's so many lives. I'm sure you, you get thank yous all the time of just people that are, you know, and probably some of these people that you've helped, like you were helping with body composition, but they said, Oh my God, like I'm seeing all these other things that I didn't even bring up to you. Right? I can't, I can't tell you enough how much that means to me, man. Like it's, it, it's crazy. Like, I, I put out this content, you know, and I don't really think anything of it. But the emails I get back, you know, like people saying just that, like that's where I find my sense of fulfillment. The money doesn't even matter. And like people say that all the time and it becomes cliche and half the time you don't believe them. But I can say that now and like freaking mean it from the bottom of my heart because like talking to you, talking to somebody else, meeting random people at KetoCon or other conferences and like them telling me a story of their grandmother who they got an extra five years with, like that. Like, if I died tonight, I can die with a smile on my face knowing that I made a little bit of an impact. Yeah, I'm I'm getting just, like, teary thinking about it, man. Like, cause, you know, when you hear people say, like, um, like you said, that when uh, when I can spend time with, with my dad or my mom or, you know, my brother's here, you know, someone's still alive that shouldn't be or couldn't be i mean I, I don't know like what's more profound than that because i mean it's not about money on this earth it's about relationships and to have people you care about with you longer and for you to be around longer and have better quality of life and to connect with people and share with people and mentor people and help people I don't, I don't know what's, what's more important than that. So, I mean, what you're doing is more important than someone who's researching a drug right now or, you know, doing a hundred other things. I mean, to me, you're saving lives. That's what you're doing. Man. That's, that's, that's <laughs> literally what you're doing. Your job, your main job is saving lives. I appreciate that, Sean. Did not expect you to say that on this podcast. Making me all teary-eyed now. <laughs> well, true. And, and and it's a blessing to to have that uh, in your life, like you said, to, to be your purpose. And, you know, people people are getting empowered. Like, like we're saying, it's not just losing weight or, you know, even with these diseases. Um, it's just the ability to say no to things. It's the ability to forge your own path. It's the ability to take the power back. It's the ability to fight back addiction. I mean, what that's doing for your mind, like you said, like with boredom and things like that, when we eat, when we're bored and when you're able to execute on the ketogenic diet and execute on fasting, you're really truly taking the power back or you're able to eat like kind of paleo whole food versus the food choices that are thrown in our face all day long. And that's truly empowering you're changing their lives and then that that has that spider webs across their life like with all the other decisions they make they're going to they're going to be much less likely i guarantee it to grab the alcohol to grab the drugs to you know have a sexual addiction or to uh do a gambling addiction or you know say bad things to someone because they're miserable or to you know it's it's empowering they're going to be much less likely to 
extend on credit. You know, they're, they're in a place where they're making better decisions for themselves and they feel good with that and they don't feel like their life is spinning out of control. So they have to make impulsive decisions to have momentary joy or happiness that's fleeting and then ends up being counterproductive. They're on a whole different life path all because of this stuff that you're teaching them. Executing on keto, man, enables people. It becomes the vehicle that allows people to execute on life. And it is crazy that a diet nutritional protocol could have such a stroke. But, I mean, it's not just a diet. It's not just simply what you put in your mouth. It's, I mean, like the community aspect of it, I can't preach that enough. I mean, when you have somebody like us right now having this conversation, we'd said maybe 10 words prior to this, this call. Yeah. And now, like, I feel like I connect with you on a much deeper level because we have so much in common. We're trying to spread a common knowledge. And, like, that, it just keeps manifesting itself from one person to the next. I'm about to go to dinner, eat barbecue with somebody, and I'm going to mm-hmm. tell them about this podcast. You know, he's going to tell somebody about this podcast. You're going to tell somebody. I mean, everything just keeps growing. And it's like it gains momentum that is fueled by the the just goodness in people's hearts and there's no freaking breaks on that you know what that's totally true and i'll tell you like um three of the things that i've learned uh i'm on i'm an entrepreneur and and i do many masterminds and the three things that i've learned are most important to success uh as an entrepreneur are in this economy in this world in this social media savvy world is uniqueness authenticity and storytelling and what the keto savage podcast is or you know what keto con is i mean what is it it's like it's a lot of stories of life change and it's your story of life change it's my story of life change and we're being authentic we're being sincere there there's no there's no marketing that's going on here this is literally what's important to us it's our purpose mm-hmm. and uniqueness i mean we're we're going against the grain and we're doing it for the right reasons absolutely i'm giving so goosebumps I, man well i think and and for that reason like you're saying the news will spread i mean people are getting so savvy to the bs Right. I mean, they're, they're just they're getting tired of it. Like, well, if what you're telling me, dietitian or nutritionist is true, then how come it's not working? How come I'm not losing weight? How come I'm still addicted? How come I'm so frustrated? How come I feel so bad about myself? How come I'm still making all these terrible decisions? How come I still got cancer? How come I still got diabetes? How come? Why? Why? And then wait, there's all these other stories over here. You're saying they're not true, but there's so many stories that I'm hearing, and these people don't seem like they're insincere. They they seem authentic. Mm-hmm. Explain that. Explain this groundswell of people, this revolution that's happening. Couldn't agree more, man. I can just drop the mic right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, no, that's what we can do. <laughs> I 100% agree, man. I think... It is, the sky is the limit, truly, truly. But real quick, we, we've been talking for like an hour, 10 minutes. I want to be respectful of your time. We are going to have to do another podcast because I literally have a, a huge list of all these detail-oriented like supplements, 
biohacking question because you're like the whiz at that too. We didn't even touch on any of that. Yeah, let's let's do another let's do another episode. For and, sure. Um, yeah, and if I can just have uh, people reach out to me and connect with me, that that would be great too. If I have any uh, questions of me, they can um, go to my website, uh, seanwells.com. And um, if they want to check out my content, I have some on there. And then on Instagram at, at Zone Halo, Z-O-N-E-H-A-L-O, at Zone Halo. And... I'm around, but yeah, I would love to, to do this again, for sure. This is, this is fun. And yes, we can definitely dive into, you know, exogenous ketones and MCTs and oh, we're gonna have to, man. and all that good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I said, we, we hadn't really talked at all prior to this, this call and I didn't know where it was going to go. To be honest, I know you're really re- well respected in the space and I'd love to pick your brain and then like, I love where it went, but we're definitely going to do another podcast because we just got a lot to talk about. We're clicking. All right. I I love it. Yeah, we're definitely clicking. So I'll be around. Let me know. Sounds good. Well, until then, I'll be in touch for sure. All right. Thank you. Take care.